Welcome to Aging Better in Uncertain Times. I'm Gord Martineau, in studio, alongside Dr. Fabio Varlese. Here, we help you keep informed and up-to-date on the latest in science, medicine, and technology that helps us all age better in these uncertain times. In terms of medical advances, I would say they've been modest in the last 20 years, but nonetheless, uh, there is a increased uh, desire and increased awareness among elderly in particular about wanting to remain sexually active as they age. It's a baby boomer phenomenon like everything else. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us on our weekly guide into living a better, healthier life so we can all experience aging better in these uncertain times. Throughout this series, we're going to examine the best ways to prepare ourselves for the future. What's the best advice for our overall health? We're going to look at every aspect affecting your life, and that means physical, mental, financial, nutritional, and medical. We'll cover all the bases. To do that, we'll supply you with high-value information from the leading experts in each field. And by that, I don't mean just everyday opinions. We will introduce you to the leading experts in each field, men and women who have studied, worked, and who teach at the highest levels. You have questions, we have the answers. Joining me here in the studio, Dr. Fabio Varlese, a specialist in internal medicine and geriatric medicine. He's the Vice President of Medical Affairs and Chief of Staff at Runnymede Hospital, Staff Specialist at Baycrest Health Sciences, and Dr. Varlese also an Assistant Professor at the University of Toronto. Dr. Varlese, uh, you know, we, we've been told over and over again, but we'll get into more of the specifics, that a healthy relationship relies upon a healthy sexual relationship. Uh, yeah, they're intertwined. I mean, and, and also, to, it's important to say that it's a myth um, that sex fades away with, with aging. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always um, welcoming questions in my day-to-day practice from patients who are aging about uh, issues related to uh, their sex life, sexual performance, etc. But uh, and when we get into the medical issues related to um, being able to perform sexually, it's uh, only one aspect that needs to be addressed. And many times uh, we have to rely on uh, specialists like Dr. Neil Fleshner today to address the medical uh, concerns mm-hmm. and collaborate with a urologist who who uh, brings to the table an important information and important ways to address issues. But the psychological and emotional implications uh, do play a major role. So the quality of a relationship um, is also important and, you know, and being attentive to um, to the very sp- mm-hmm. specific aspects of a relationship because, you know, uh, your emotional well-being has a direct impact on performance also. So hopefully today we'll be able to bring to the table uh, all sorts of pearls of wisdom uh, in how to um, have a positive impact on a relationship, on the sexual co- aspect of it, because there's also health benefits from a sexual relationship and a healthy one. Yep. So when there isn't a healthy sexual relationship, it it impacts on the relationship in general and often leads to a breakdown, either in communication or a breakdown in the whole relationship itself. And let's bring in Risa Heft. She's a lawyer specializing in family law. Risa, welcome to you. And um, coronavirus, COVID-19, has really impacted every aspect of our society. And, you know, you're seeing, I'm sure, an increased divorce rate. Uh, because of the stresses uh, that are involved in relationships. How significant is a healthy sexual relationship or an unhealthy one in the breakdown of marriages? So 
I don't think that the sexual relationship is what breaks down a marriage because it's very often people come to me, um, they're still having sex with their partner, uh, but they are getting a divorce. And then other times I'll have other couples who come and they haven't had sex with each other anyways, at least for seven years or, or longer. Even. Seven years? Oh, yeah. I had a couple once where she slept on the couch for seven years. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, that's that's rather bizarre. Um, when when is is uh, a, an unhealthy sexual relationship? How often is that the cause of a breakdown in uh, in marriages that you've seen? So I'm going to say uh, an unhealthy relationship would probably include having an extramarital relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would bring an unhealthy aspect into a marriage. And of course, um, that is not a main cause of divorce, but it certainly is a significant cause of divorce when one partner finds out about the other partner's relationship. Uh, let's bring in Dr. Neil Fleshner. He is a professor and chair in the Department of Urology at the University of Toronto. Uh, Dr. Fleshner, you are dealing with urological issues. Uh, erectile dysfunction is a big one, obviously, for males. And and what are you seeing there? Are you seeing a, a lot of it, or are there t- significant treatments available? Well, yeah, I think there's been a real societal change about understanding, as, as Dr. Varlazy had mentioned, that uh, couples do uh, engage sexually till well in their late 70s and 80s, um, perhaps even more frequently than we think. And there's been, you know, a fair amount of societal awareness around the problem. And I think that's brought a lot of it out of the uh, dark crevices, if you will, of our society. And certainly, you know, the major breakthroughs, which I, in some ways are great and some ways aren't, are still remain the PD-5 inhibitors, Viagra, Cialis, and those drugs, which really are, are now I'm almost 20 years old. So uh, in terms of medical advances, I would say they've been modest in the last 20 years. But nonetheless, uh, there is a increased uh, desire and increased awareness among elderly in particular about wanting to remain sexually active as they age. It's a baby boomer phenomena like everything else. And and a healthy sex life means good health overall. They are inseparable, are they not? Yeah, they are. And I think I, I look at it as bi-directional. I mean, I think a healthy sex life, um, you know, is usually associated, although not always, of course, with fitness. It's associated with uh, caring how you look and caring, looking after yourself in terms of of diet and lifestyle, but it's also bi-directional in that sometimes erectile dysfunction in an aging male is one of the very first signs and symptoms of atherosclerotic disease, the impending heart attack, for example. And, and, and the arteries that feed the genital area in the male are the smallest in the body. So usually the first, um, if you will, um, function to go in a man with atherosclerotic disease is actually his, his uh, erectile capacity. And it's always said that if you see particularly a man in his 40s with uh, what we call vasculogenic impotence or meaning poor blood flow to the penis, that patient should actually go see a cardiologist because it's potentially a harbinger of a more significant overall health event like a heart attack or a stroke in the future. Risa, when you have clients coming to you, um do you discuss their sexual relationship with their partner? And if so, I mean, do you, do you feel sometimes you're in the position of, of being a therapist or wanting to refer them to therapy? How do you deal with this? So, yes, 
Um, people overshare with me for sure. And they absolutely do tell me about their sexual relations. And I always tell people that when you practice family law, it's 90%, 90% psychotherapy and 10% law. Hmm. So I, I do play the role of therapist a lot, notwithstanding, I tell my clients, I'm not trained to do that. And I do try and refer them to therapists usually. But you're in a position where you, you know, the person comes to you, and you hear their story, and do you say to yourself in your mind, uh, this one's over, uh, there's no going back for this, or do you see uh, turning the situation around, perhaps? So, no, I, I, it's not my role to turn a situation around, and I've, I mean, I have done it on a few occasions, but yeah. in general, my by the time people show up at my doorstep, it's it's over. And if I saw any inkling that it wasn't over, then absolutely I'd be sending them to marriage counseling. And I do recommend marriage counseling anyways, even if it's, you know, just to help them get through this particular part of their life. Uh, Neil, have you seen the onset of COVID-19 uh, reflected in the work that you do and in, in the studies that you've seen? Is it uh, now a much larger factor in what we're seeing in, in terms of dysfunction or the breakdown of a healthy sexual relationship? Yeah, I must admit, I'm not seeing it as much. I certainly in other aspects of my job, the cancer space, for sure. I think at this point, um, I am not seeing that as yet. And if anything, because of the sort of prioritization of more life-threatening uh, medical problems that we're seeing, um, if anything, I, if I'm probably seeing less of it, which is of a concern. And you, it does make you wonder what is going to come out of it, which is sort of what you alluded to when you open the piece about how many people are there, um, you know, with, with impending uh, marital breakdown mm -hmm. and, and, and sexual dysfunction. There are studies out there, and we've seen one in particular, um, one most recently, where it's a myth that a woman's sexual desire or desire to have sex um, kind of fades as she grows older. That apparently is absolutely untrue. When it comes to men, is there a point in their lives where uh, the, the, the act of having sex with their partner kind of is, eh, you know, wishy-washy? That's a great question. You know, the reality is men's particularly um, sexual desire and sexual capacity, you know, unlike the female, and we're just talking now here uh, sort of biologically, I'm not talking around right. uh, equity or, or anything like that, but th there's no doubt a, a male... Uh, is is built to procreate, um, and it's driven by testosterone. Uh, the world record is 108 years old. A man has fathered a child. Uh, so, so there actually is um, absolutely capacity, and there is absolute desire um, among most men. And I think the other important part to recognize is is not all sexual sexuality is, is certainly men, men on female penetrative activity. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot other aspects of sexuality. It's one of the most interesting things I've learned over the years is I sometimes see men discussing prostate cancer surgery, of which erectile function can arise as a not infrequent side effect. Mm -hmm. And even though I have men who barely have intercourse, barely have sexual activity, the thought of losing it still is very bothersome to, to yeah. them. And, and it's quite interesting because I think even the men who don't have much, much, much sexual activity, maybe they wake up that day and they hope today's the day type of thing and actually yeah. losing it, which, you know, on a, on a, on a sort of on a surface 
uh, thought basis seems silly. You know, when you talk about sexuality, it's a darker part of the brain and it's less understood. And, and this is something I've witnessed time and time again after being in practice over 20 years. Is this, you know, losing the ability, is this something a man considers emasculating? And, and that's why they absolutely, some of them don't even want to think about it? It is absolutely. And there are certain uh, men who don't want to hear about sometimes life-saving um, procedures or surgery or therapies because it can affect uh, that aspect of their life. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But, but again, I think losing the sexual capacity, again, is more than just... Um, more than just the actual losing ability to have a sexual relationship. I, I've, I've talked to, to some men, their fantasy life, uh, their dreams, other aspects of just sort of healthy psychology can be affected because they don't have the capacity uh, to perform uh, in the bedroom, or at least even though, even though it, it's really not even in their lexicon. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Risa, because you're a woman, is your clientele almost exclusively women? Do you have men coming to you with with, uh, issues of divorce? Uh, Actually, I have more men than uh, women clients. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, but I suspect a lot of men perceive a woman to be a better family law divorce lawyer than men would be in, in a courtroom. And have you seen the the you know the overall rise in the number of uh, divorces uh, that are coming into, or at least the cases that are coming into your office because of COVID, when people are forced to to live together, and and not only that, because they're in lockdown, uh, they're spending all day with each other, and discovered it, I guess, at some point that they don't really get along that well. In the eighteen years that I've been practicing family law, I have never been so busy. Mm. Um, there. It is. It's very much COVID related. Yeah. Uh, it's partly as you just described that people all of a sudden are now locked down. They're together. They're way too much FaceTime, and they realize that they're just not happy. That's I think one element. I think the other element is, is that there was probably a lot of marriages who were on the brink anyways. Yeah. But you know when you're busy, you don't have time to deal with things. And now with lockdown, people have more time on their hands, and therefore more time to deal with the issues that they're facing. Do, do you get back to the, that age-old question, are we meant to be monogamous when you see so many divorces? I think we are. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that we are. Uh, I think people, you know, monogamous can mean just one person at a time. I don't know that we have to have one person for our whole life. Um, and I think at a certain point, people, especially after children are gone, uh, they change, their interests change, and uh, maybe looking for the next phase of their life, which may not be the same as the last phase. Dr. Verlesa, you have patients coming to you, and, and of course they've got issues, you know, the, the stresses that, of normal daily life, COVID exacerbating the situation, you've got erectile dysfunction, you know, and, and issues like that. Like, you must find yourself being in the position of a kind of a therapist in a way. Oh, that's that's a guarantee. I can yeah. tell you. Um, you know, um, a patient that comes with these types of problems is is uh, re- deserves really a thorough and comprehensive assessment because mm-hmm. we're really looking at various aspects, uh, all the medical um, 
aspects uh, that are involved with uh, erectile dysfunction. We're looking at uh, the psychological, emotional issues. We're looking at medications that could be contributing to this. And so, you know, we're looking at um, a whole array of things. And uh, I will tell you that the stats are pretty clear, though, that, for example, in, in men who are single, you know, they tend to not fare as well as men in a relationship. Why is that? Well, it looks like that, uh, you know, a, a healthy relationship mm-hmm. um, really uh, gives the types of health benefits that we all deserve, men and women. Uh, but uh, it's very interesting to notice these statistics. And there's a bit more increased illness. There's a higher opportunity for mental health-related issues. And uh, that seems also kind of impact on their own longevity. So when, when you see that, plus the, the, uh, the imposition of COVID-19, which yeah. adds even more stress, then Absolutely. It, the condition becomes exacerbated. It exacerbated. We're seeing more suicide. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that COVID is bringing on. And uh, we need to be very, very attentive as clinicians, you know, to look at this and to really be in a supportive role, to really understand uh, what could be uh, the factor or the factors, as Dr. Fleschner is pointing out, it's multifactorial. Yeah. So, so we need to be very comprehensive in the approach that we take in order to have the type of outcome that we wish right. for our patients. Risa, you mentioned the large number of men you have coming in uh, to seek your advice or your counsel or, or to have you handle their divorce. Um, are, they, are they okay or are they reluctant to speak to you about, hey, you know what, I can't have sex with my wife anymore. I don't see uh, any point in this relationship. Uh, do you get to that stage? So I'm going to say as a woman, there, I don't think a man's going to walk into my office and have that conversation with me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm there as their lawyer, notwithstanding they share a lot of information with me. Yeah. Um, to date, I'm going to say I've never had a man, maybe once I've had a man co- tell me about any sexual dysfunction that he was suffering from. Mm-hmm. But but obviously it's a huge, a hugely important factor in any successful relationship. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'm going to say the, the, the women would share information with me like that. Why um, are women more forthcoming than men? I think women are, are are trained or taught at an early age to be communicators. Mm. And so when they're sitting in my office, they're they're very um, it's very easy to get them to communicate exactly what's going on. So um, they they definitely share a lot of information. The men are much more reluctant. And I'm going to say the men are actually even reluctant to share basic information. I'm always looking at my men clients and saying, why didn't you tell me that before when I hear from the other side some detail? And- um is, is COVID-19 one, one topic that, that they often come in with? Like, do they mention, okay, you know what, uh, this COVID thing has really uh, opened my eyes to the fact that I can't get along with my partner and, and I see no way through it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm does. hearing that regularly, that I, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until COVID came and I had to mm. stay in the house for six months. Well, that's an unfortunate situation and, and, and too bad we have to sum it up that way. But thank you very much for your time today, Risa. Oh, my really pleasure. appreciate it. And Dr. Fleschner, good luck in your work, and thank you so much for your insights and, and, and the, the issues you've been able to discuss with us today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Some final thoughts now with Dr. Varlese's prescription to aging better. We've learned 
Actually, we've, we've been reacquainted with the fact that a healthy sex life means a healthy partnership. But, you know, people have to learn to, to adjust their lifestyles if, they're, if they have underlying conditions, if they, if they have weight issues or, or blood pressure issues. See your doctor and be straight with, with him or her and, and get it together and, and you can move forward. Well, definitely. In fact, uh, that is the advice I think that everybody should leave this episode with, and that is to seek medical attention. Now, these are are topics that are sometimes difficult to open up with your own clinician, and and it's important uh, that you do. But at the same time, a clinician also has to be able to open up uh, that type of discussion because if we're really focused on the health of our patients, we need to know that they're also having healthy relationships, healthy sex uh, lives, because it goes hand in hand with, you know, your overall health. And, um, and so it is a myth that, um, that sex fades away with age. There are all sorts of problems, as we've pointed out today, uh, that need to be addressed whenever necessary. And there's a lot of medical issues, and we had a great guest today uh, that went into the details. But the bottom line is, is that once you've ruled out all of those, uh, then it's important uh, you yep. need to seek you know, a relationship counselor. Um, you need to look at the quality of the relationship because they're intertwined. It could yep. be a medical problem bringing on you know, a negative impact on the the quality of your relationship and vice versa also, it's the relationship that could have a negative impact on your sex life. And as we wrap up today, please, folks, get a flu shot. The information is at myflushot.ca. Questions about aging better can be emailed to info at agingbetter.ca or by visiting our website at agingbetter.ca. Aging Better in Uncertain Times, brought to you by Delos, Runnymede Health, Jewel 88.5, L'Oreal, La Roche-Posay, Vichy, Avicana, and Sanofi Pasteur, in part through an educational grant. Be sure to drop in for your next doctor's visit on Jewel 88.5, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. or at Jewel885.com. Until next time, I'm Gord Martineau with Dr. Fabio Varlese, along with producers Dominic Shulo and David Sirsta. Be well and stay safe.